Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Jake. You can get me on Twitter at JakeJackman2Ns, and I write for EPL Index. Hi, I'm Jay. I'm editor of the EaglesBeak.com, a Palace fan site by fans for fans. You can get us on Twitter at the EaglesBeak uh, and check out the website EaglesBeak.com. I'm also producer and co-host of a local sports show, the Meridian Sports Show on Meridian FM. You can get us online using the TuneIn app. You can follow us, get all the information on Twitter at the Meridian SS. All right, yeah, thanks to you both for coming on, kind of the OG crew. Uh, all of us been on uh, since the, the glory and halcyon days of 2013. So pleased to have you both on for what is the final full show of the season before we get into all the segments um, following the last week of 2018-19. Uh, I want to start off chronologically this week um, with Cardiff's relegation. They lose to Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace, certainly uh, familiar with relegating teams, which we will discuss later <laughs> in the topics. But for now, uh, curious to get your guys' take on um, Cardiff's brief return to the Premier League. For me, I thought they had a pretty solid defense at times. It seemed once they were breached, they'd give up a lot. But they were difficult to break down sometimes. They had a lot of clean sheets. I thought Etheridge was solid at times. Um, then you have bad luck incidents like the Chelsea match. I mean, tragedy with the Emiliano Salah thing that I don't want to get into too much and, and all the ramifications of that. But if that doesn't happen or if they spend that money elsewhere, you know, where does that put them? Um, on the whole, you know, there are 38 matches. They didn't end up being good enough to stay up. I, I thought they give a fairly decent account of themselves. Even Warnock, who even before the season started, said he wasn't sure if he was at the Premier League level. Um, on the whole, I, I think they did some decent things, but probably uh, deserve to go down on the whole. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think they can take a little credit from the season, to be honest. I think um, at the start of the year, Every, most people, myself included, expected them to go down quite easily, um, probably finishing bottom. Um, a lot of the transfers they did sort of lacked lacked a little bit of ambition of staying up. I thought they were more gearing themselves to going back down and, and then building from there, which which at the time I thought was a good policy. And, and even now, I think, was, was probably the right way to approach it as opposed to what Fulham did. Um, because now they've got, you know, one year of Premier League money, they've got a squad a, lot, a squad now that's a lot stronger than it was when it did get promoted and they should be able to to challenge at the top end of the championship, no problem, um, whether that's with Warnock or with somebody else. Um, I, I agree with the defence. I thought they set up quite well. Um, concede, I mean, they conceded a lot of goals, but that was due to a talent deficit more so than tactical. I think Sol Bamba's injury towards the end of the year probably yeah. stopped them from really having a, a, a good go at staying up. But they, that... That win against Brighton gave him a chance, and I think following that is probably that game against Fulham that that is that's the big blow. Um, Palace are a good team away from home, and that was always going to be a difficult fixture. But no, I think I think they did well, and and 
they, they can take a lot of credit from the season. They've got something to build on, whereas I don't think Fulham or Huddersfield do going into next year. So I think they're definitely going to be the strongest ones of, of the teams that have gone down. But yeah, it, it's, it's just one of those things that they, they probably didn't expect to get promoted. Um, and then they, they probably didn't expect to stay up, but but they, they gave a, a good, good account of themselves and, and, and they could be proud. And I think they're going to be a Premier League team again in the next three or four years. It wouldn't surprise me. I think they've got a, a, a good foundation there. Yeah, I completely agree with you guys. I think, I think the, the, the sad thing is, is obviously the Emiliano Sana, um, the Salah uh, um, thing that happens. I'm stumbling over words because it's you know it's really difficult to comprehend that as as a football club, um, as a football fan. I mean, you can you can be shot by it from afar, but obviously what we've seen, what happened at Leicester, can can affect a football club and. Um, I think the biggest thing that Cardiff struggled with that was was scoring goals, and and obviously, you know, if if that striker had come in uh, and, uh, and and started scoring goals, then you know we could have seen a different Cardiff team finishing. But yeah, let's let's give them credit. They you know they battled to the end. Um, most people, like Jake's rightly said, most people had them down um, before they kicked the ball this season um, because it was a surprise that they came up. Um, looking at a championship and the teams and the, and, and the quality of the teams and players in that division, you know they they, they came up, um, you know, with, with with a lot of credit. Um, but it, you know, nobody expected them to to extend their stay any longer than a season. Neil Warnock knows what he's doing. You know, a lot of people um, hate him, love him or hate him, whatever you think of him. He knows his stuff. He, he's turned seventy years old, very similar to Roy Hodgson at Palace. We know what he can do. He's had two spells at Palace, and you know he's done all right both times. And you know, I'm not going to go into, you know, the the whys and wherefores about him leaving. But yeah, he, I think everybody at Cardiff can be proud of what they've achieved. It's just that he couldn't get over the line. And, and again, Jake rightly said, you know, the Fulham defeat last weekend was was the one that completely knocked the stuffing out of them. If they'd have won that game, which they probably should have gone there and and done everything to to come away with the win against what is a resurgent Fulham side who are showing a form that they probably should have showed earlier in the season, really, uh, with, with you know, the, the the quality that they've got in that side or the quality they've brought into that side. Um, it, you know, it's just a shame Fulham... I mean, Cardiff didn't do what Fulham did and, you know, kind of Fulham threw all their cash, uh, you know, in the last summer and uh, it, it just didn't work. Cardiff were a lot more sensible. Um, they've got some good players and they go down to the championship in, a, in, in shape. Um, I think the likes of Kamarasper, if they keep hold of him in the championship, he could be a focal point for them. Obviously, he was on loan, so he, whether Betis be able to will let him go, whether another Premier League side would be interested in taking him. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind taking a pot shot at him at Palace, to be quite honest. He's a skillful player and uh, and perhaps something that, uh, that that we could do with uh, something of. But, you know, they've got talented Etheridge in goal, very good goalkeeper. Um, obviously, he's had plenty of practice this season because the defence hasn't been great. And they struggled again when Bamba got injured. I think that was a massive blow to them as well. But um, I, I, I think they've, um, you know, a lot of people said, you know, it's, it's a weak in Premier League, but I don't buy that. You know, you get up to the Premier League, you know, on merit and you're, and you're there for at least a season. As you saw Huddersfield the first season, you know, they had a, a great first season to, to stay in the Premier League and, and unfortunately they've um, they've suffered this year. But yeah, I, I, so much has gone on at Cardiff that you, you couldn't have begrudged them if they'd have stayed up this year. But they've given it a, you know, a brave fight as any a Neil Warlock side would do. And to be honest, I'd like to see him stick stick with Cardiff next season and see if he can bring them straight back up because yeah, with that with that squad uh, and that year of experience playing against the likes of you know the top Premier League sides, 
you know, they, they might be able to make a good fist of it. Yeah, it is interesting you bring up Warnock because he himself said he isn't sure if he's going to be the manager next season. Um, mm. So we will see what happens there. And, and for those wondering what the actual numbers were um, defensively, while they did concede a, a lot of goals, ended up being um, 63, only uh, better than Fulham and Huddersfield, the other two sides to go down. They also had eight clean sheets, which is the same as Arsenal, better than Wolves, <laughs> better than United. Um, so they, they, when they held firm, they held firm and Etheridge had the most penalty saves in the league this season. <laughs> like they, they had moments and I agree the the Bomba injury was huge for them. Mentioned that least last week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when, when your squad is that thin and that full of championship players, cause they didn't invest super heavily in the summer, at least not in Premier league level talent. Um, you, you just can't suffer that much like Huddersfield. I mean, basically as soon as Moy missed two months, they went from maybe they'll survive to they definitely yeah. won't. Um, you yeah. just at, at a certain point when you have a, a squad that, that's at that level, losing a player that is above that level, just mm. it, it really damns you. Um, we, we know that only too well, Kev. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, 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 with the likes of Zaha, I mean, you lose him for a number of games like we did uh, parts of this year and last year as well. It, it, it's just a killer for clubs like us. It really mm-hmm. is when you lose a talented player. Yeah, but you finally broke that streak, so I wasn't going to bring it up, but uh, you obviously have every right <laughs> We did, <streak>. yes. <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, all right, uh, now we'll move on to uh, a failure at a different end of the table. Manchester United draw with Huddersfield today, uh, meaning that they have failed to qualify for the Champions League again. Um, they were in last year, but I think they failed the year before, if memory serves. Um, do you view this season as a failure on the whole with all of the Mourinho stuff, the ups and downs, the beating of PSG, probably the highest point in, in recent memory for United, but then also failing to clear this hurdle to get back into the Champions League. How do you view this season for them? You have to view it as a failure, I think. Um, Manchester United are, for all intents and purposes, the biggest club in this country. Um I've you know, Liverpool might have something to say about that, but but for me in my lifetime, Manchester United are probably the biggest club that I've ever known, uh, and they should be challenging for, you know, they should be challenging for titles, and and they should be up there with with the best clubs in Europe, really. Uh, and and the drop off since Sir Alex Ferguson is is it was to be expected, but I now think it's gone on a little bit too long, uh, and I think there's, there's there's something wrong in the way. It, it, they've been managed and and for them to to finish outside of the top top four is, is is very bad i think considering the money they've spent and that that should be the absolute minimum for them and and they haven't done that um and 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 i know you mentioned the the psg result but i don't think you know it was, they were probably lucky to get that on 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 the whole of it i think and even a champions league quarter final it's not much to to really hang your hat on, especially if you're not going to be back in the competition. Um, I think there's there's a big summer ahead for Manchester United. Um, it, it's going to be difficult for them to attract players now, and I, I think that they've got to go down the route of of rehauling that squad and, and viewing it as, as a long-term rebuild. Now, I think there's a lot of players there that that for you know they've they're spoken about a lot in the media as, as being bad for the dressing room, and and I think it's time to to get rid of those players and to to start again um, because it the way it's going that they're just signing players on, on reputation with with no idea of, of of how to get them into the team sanchez is is a great example of that pogba he, even pogba i think they've never really found a way to fit him in and and they signed him because he was paul bogner not because they needed a 
a player like Paul Pogba, which it, it, they need to change that and they need to go down the route of, of signing players that 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 suit the team and, and suit the ma- the manager that they have because it it all seems a little bit football manager for me. <laughs> it seems like somebody's just going and just buying the the players with the the, the highest reputation highest potential because then you get yeah. like Baye and Lindelof who are both super highly regarded. Exactly, it's, it, it just it. It just hasn't really made a lot of sense for them, and you, and you look what Liverpool have done. Look, they're now pushing Manchester City all the way, and you look at the players that they've got that we now regard as as top players in this league: Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane, Virgil Van Dijk. None of those players were were top players before going to Liverpool, um, but now they are because they they saw the potential and they thought they suited the style that Jurgen Klopp wanted to play and they've all come in and, and done very, very well and, and become those top players whereas Manchester United are trying to buy those top players and fitting them into a team. They're going the, about it the wrong way uh, and it, it is just, it is a little bit worrying because I just don't see how it's going to stop unless they, you know, bring in a technical director, get rid of Ed Woodward off the football side because I don't think he really knows a lot about it. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a huge summer but I think the season has to be a massive failure. Um but I also think that the last few months have sort of repaired Mourinho's reputation somewhat because I think the problems at United go a lot deeper than than just him. Whereas you know a few months ago we thought that he was the big problem that was was preventing this this team of of top players from from competing at the top of the league. But it just turns out those players are, are probably the problem. Um, so it, yeah, they've they've got a lot of problems and they need to. They, it's not going to be a short-term fix. I think it's it's probably going to be a long time before we see Manchester United challenging for titles again. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Jake on, on most points there. Um, United, it's a massive failure for United after finishing runners-up last season. Um, it, it's a really good point. Distant runners-up, it should be mentioned. Sorry? Distant runners-up. Oh, distant. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no that, that's a valid point completely. And, and it kind of leads on to the, the next thing I was going to say is that you know, top six sides in the Premier League have closed ranks since Leicester won that title. And, you know, it's unlikely to ever happen again. The only team that probably have a chance of, you know, catching up with that that, that core six teams is perhaps Everton, if they're managed, managed right, you know, in the right way. They've probably got the ability to to perhaps push on, but that's, you know, it's a number of years away yet. So when you've got the top six in such close, you know, close range, you're going to have one or two that are going to be deemed or maybe more than two that are going to be deemed as a failure um you know finishing outside the top four um finishing outside the top two even i mean city and, and, and liverpool are light years ahead of you know those other four sides in that top six you've kind of got a league within a league haven't you but it's a massive failure and, and, and jake mentioned ed woodward um uh, you, know, you know the glaziers have got to start looking there because it, it you know Mourinho leaving you know all, all the fingers are being pointed at Mourinho. For, for the problems um, on the pitch, off the pitch. But I, I think there's a big problem at the club in in, in a number of areas. Uh, Edward Wood is one because, you know, the recruitment policy has been pretty shocking, both management-wise and, and, and obviously you mentioned already, you know, the big name rather than the actual whether it can fit into a side. Um, I would also question Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's appointment when it was, when it happened, give him to the end of the season for sure, but see how that panned out. But, you know, we, we, we've seen how, you know, that honeymoon period is, is literally gone through the floor for United and uh, where there was a lot of hope. And they were a fair, a fair few points behind, you know, that top four or five at, at one stage of the season. So 
they've caught up and, and got themselves in with the shot, but you know they failed dismally in, in recent weeks where you know they should have been able to continue that you know good run of form you know with the players that have got. Um, this summer's going to be huge for for United, and I, and I think if well per, personally I think Real Madrid are going to have a huge influence over the Premier League this summer. I really do because I, I I get the feeling mm. they they've got cash to spend. They they're looking at the likes of Hazard, Pogba. Um, you know, if they start stripping some of the talents, you know, because who's going to turn down a, a club like Real Madrid is going to be throwing cash around, new manager, they want to get back to the Galacticus uh, style at, at the Bernabeu after what has been a horrid few years for them. Well, I say horrid few years, they won the um, championship <laughs> last year. But, <laughs> but, 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 but this, this year has been a, a, a massive failure for them and they won't allow that to happen again. Um, United is a different kettle of fish. I mean, they've jumped from one boss to the next. Um, you know, sucking a manager for winning the FA Cup and not qualifying top four says everything about, you know, a club of that stature. But was that really the right decision to make with Van Gaal? I I would question that. Um, should Moyes have been given a bit more time to, you know, to have a bit more stability at a club um, where things probably, you know, may well have turned out a bit better uh, after a period of time. But who knows? It, it, it's all hypothetical now, isn't it? But I, I just I just think that the the apartment of Solskjaer was was very short sighted in a way because you, you know yes he he's a he's a former player he knows the club he he knows the style but you know United are bigger than that I just get the feeling that United are bigger than that and they need they needed to bring somebody in that could shake up that dressing room because the dressing room is, is clearly an issue um, at, at United Two, uh, plenty of egos there's quite a few players there that are on the fringes and probably shouldn't be anymore um, you know this is this is a massive massive club arguably like Jake said the biggest in this country um, and, and shouldn't be finishing sixth in the table fifth or sixth in the table wherever that might be um, they should be in a Champions League next year but they're not going to be and, and that's that's going to make the summer a fair bit more difficult to uh, to manage um, I think Unfortunately for Spurs, I think Pochettino would be a great fit uh, for United. No, I'm not trying to get him moved to United, but I just think, you know, he's somebody that would go with a bit of patience if he's given time, would sort it out. But I, I do firmly believe that he's going to stick at Spurs because he's got a good thing going there, and you know, the additional pressure at at United would probably be to his detriment but um, it, it's going to be intriguing um, watching what goes on at Old Trafford this summer uh, not that I care but as a football fan <laughs> it's, it, it's interesting to see you know the dynamics of uh, of a club as big as United and, and how they how they how they change things but I think the Glazier should probably have a bit bigger say uh, as to the makeup of the club than uh, than perhaps people uh, you know than they're currently probably getting yeah um, then a question I'd like to pose to you guys is them and then hate to bring this up upon the Arsenal fans on such a, a sad occasion. Um, but they now need to swing at least eight goals um, in order to catch Tottenham in a top four spot after they draw today. Another club that was a, a giant of the English game for some time there under Wenger. Do you think either of these clubs will ever get back to that height? And if so, which do you think is more likely? Yeah, for me, I think I think football's a, a cyclical game. You know, you get teams at the top and then they go down for a little bit and they come back. You know, Liverpool are a great example of that. They were down in sixth, seventh not so long ago and now they're challenging for the title. So I, th- I think both those teams will come back over time. Um, I think Arsenal are, are closer to it right now. Um, 
I think even though they're, they're not going to get top four, I, I still think Emery's made some, some positive moves there. I think um, the Europa League run has been very successful. Um, I think he's 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 on the whole he's improved it i don't think the the improvement has been as as big as supporters would have hoped but i think he has improved it there um and i think w- with the money that's available um to spend i think that they're, they're going to continue progressing um and if they do win the europa league you know they're going to be set for for a much better year next year with champions league and, and the money and the 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 advantages that, that competition brings to a team is uh, in the top four so i think it's I think for me they're they're going to slowly get back to to competing uh, at the top league. I'm not sure if they they'll ever be one of the the leading clubs like they were under Wenger, but I just think it's with you know the the right management, the the right players coming in, the right technical director, they they could get back there. Um, there's no reason why they couldn't. So yeah, I, I think for me they're they're more likely at the moment. They you know you can see some sort of progression there under Emery, whereas at, at Manchester United you don't know what they need to do, whether they need to change coach, whether they need to bring in a technical director, whether they need to change a lot of the players, probably all three, um, that, you know, they've got a lot of work to do. So it's, I, I, I think the Arsenal, Arsenal are, are nowhere near as in bad state as, as Manchester United are. And, and, you know, if they go and win that Europa League, the season will be a success for them. Yeah, Arsenal are an odd one, aren't they? Um, I, I'm not sure what Arsenal fans are expecting this year after, after, however many years I had under Wenger, you know, it's it's a real culture change, isn't it? And bringing a new manager in after that length of time, as, as with Simway United, you know. Um, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of Arsenal fans wanted Wenger gone, but, you know, you just had to look at Old Trafford and see what happened there after Ferguson left. And it's it's never been quite right since then. Yes, they've won things, but, you know, they, they haven't got anywhere close to, to how they were dominant of the English game as, as they were under Ferguson. Arsenal, I think there's more hope for, as, as Jake rightly said. Um, first season under a new manager, you know, it's going to take uh, Emery three or four transfer windows to sort out the squad that he wants. He's got a decent makeup of a side at the moment, but I think that there's still things that he can change and, and, and do in terms of personnel and, you know, strengthen up that back line and, uh, and obviously losing Ramsey and, you know, bring him some more more talent in the midfield, but I I don't think Arsenal are in in as bad a place as Arsenal fans seem to seem to suggest they might be. Yes, they're fifth in the table. They've had a horrid run of form, uh, which um, which I'm pleased to say Palace started for them a few weeks ago, which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, they can go on there. You know, they're in in a good position in the Europa League to. You know, if they do well in that second leg, they could find themselves in the final and win that. And um, you know that. It, it wouldn't be a bad season for Arsenal at all. And I, I'm really not quite sure what Arsenal fans are quite disgruntled about. Again, as I mentioned earlier, you know, this this, this top six sides in, in the country are, have kind of uh, pulled together, haven't they, in a way, and, um, you know, shut out the rest of the uh, rest of the Premier League in a way. So it, it, it is that top six, but you're going to have two teams that are going to miss out. And those two teams um, this season appear to be Arsenal and United. I think United need more. Uh, have more problems than, than Arsenal do, um, not just on the pitch, but as we've already spoken about. I, I think Arsenal Arsenal won't be that far away from, you know, they, 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 they've challenged that top four this year, which I, I think I don't think many people thought they would this year under, under Emery. Um, a good attack inside, score goals. They've had a blip last few games, but, you know, they, they've still continued their form in the, in the Europa League. So uh, Arsenal-Chelsea in the Europa League final will be pretty decent, wouldn't it, for... Uh, for English football, so yeah, I, I, 
I've got a bit of time for Arsenal and, and, and what they're trying to do there. So, um, like I said, it's a culture shock, but, you know, I'm not sure. I thought this season was always going to be uh, a little bit about transition and, and seeing how it goes. Um, and, and clearly they were never going to yeah, struggle down, down towards the foot of the table, were they? Mm. So, you know, it's whether they finish in the uh, in, 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 in European qualification places, which you know, they clearly will. So I, I don't think it's been that bad at all for them. Yeah, I, I'm very interested to see if if they do get back to those heights, Jake. I totally understand your point that, that football is cyclical like that, and, and teams mm. tend to go back up and down to to their heights and their lows and, and everywhere in between. But the, in the short term, if if Arsenal don't you know somehow make up eight goals in the, in the last week of the season or win the Europa League final, I think them and United are both in a place where both of them has, have missed out on Champions League recently and potentially including this season. And the thought is that you need to spend to get in the kind of players that get you back there, but you're trying to spend as you're making less money. And I understand that clubs have billions of dollars. I'm not trying to argue that they don't, but that is a difficult thing to try to do. You're trying to spend more while making less. It's a very quick way to to find yourself in ruin. Smaller clubs, at least. For those, they can probably withstand it, but it'll just be interesting to see how they try to address this because... United have been trying to buy their their selves out of their problems since Sir Alex left. And it hasn't really worked out, as we discussed earlier, about their talent identification. They keep bringing in people that aren't really um, fitting their system, and then their system keeps changing. So players that may have fit somebody else are now not fitting the new people. Um, I don't think many people are expecting that Solskjaer will be their manager at the end of next season. Um, I don't think he's the answer long-term. Although, like everyone's saying, I don't think he's the problem either. I just think it's not really going to work out. But on the whole, that's what I'm interested in to see this summer. They probably will get back to those heights, especially Arsenal, just because of karma uh, for everything negative I've ever said about them. But it'll be very interesting to see how they try to get out of this. Um, and if it's spending money while they're making less, that can be the, the beginning of a slippery slope. That's all I'm saying. All right, uh, we will wrap up by talking about Liverpool. Um, they obviously uh, continue to, to stay right on the heels of City, who play tomorrow as we record um, as they chase the title. But yesterday, aside from all of that title stuff, something very impressive happened. Trent Alexander-Arnold set up yet another goal, which means both him and Robertson have provided 10 or more assists this season, which is the first time that has ever hap- happened at the same club in Premier League history for defenders. Do you think that this is kind of the front line of a trend where we've seen more attacking fullbacks be used more frequently? Do you think this is something that could happen again? Or do you think this is kind of more of a one-off, just just kind of a crazy fluke, impressive though it may be? Um, it's difficult. I think fullbacks now are becoming um, better on the ball. Uh, and you see a lot of... Um, Fullbacks, and this this isn't only um, the two at Liverpool, but you see a lot of them taking more set pieces. That seems to be a thing that, that that's happening. Um, see, I think it's 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 probably some of this going to to continue. I'm not, not sure if you'll ever get two in the same team, you know, getting ten plus assists a season regularly. I think this is quite unique. Um, but I think it's it's the way the game's going, uh, and fullbacks now, especially at the top teams, they are encouraged to attack because a lot of teams. Um, set up to defend against the top six teams and therefore they've got the the ability to to encourage their fullbacks to go forward and, and to provide the extra width and I think with Liverpool in particular um you know you have Salah and Mane 
playing the, the sort of wide attacking roles, but you don't really see them at wide very often. They are very, um, you know, they, they play centrally and they are seen as direct goal threats. So they need, so Liverpool need to get width from somewhere. So it has to come from their fullback. So I think, I think it's it's a lot to do with the style that Jurgen Klopp plays. It sort of encourages both of them to go forward and, and to offer those those wide options and to create chances. But um, I, I do think it's 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 probably a trend that is going to to happen, especially for those top six clubs because they need to to have those extra outlets to break teams down. Because you know we know how teams set up against them. Uh, I, I know I, I watched I've watched every game we've played against the top six team this season and we are one of the more defensive teams, but we do set up very narrow and, and get men behind the ball. So so for for those teams to break us down they need to, to play down the sides and, and and it really does lend itself to fullbacks getting forward uh, as we saw yesterday. Um but yeah I I think it's a I think this particular stat is is probably to do with Liverpool style. Um and the, the quality of the two players that they've got playing at fullback, but uh, I do think it, it is something we're going to see more regularly. We're, we're going to see fullbacks maybe become the, the top assisters in teams. Um, if you look at Tottenham, Danny Rose gets forward a lot. Arsenal, Kalasinac gets forward a lot. Um, City, Mendy probably would have got more assists than than both the Liverpool fullbacks had he been fit the whole season. So it 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 that all the top six clean teams do have these players. Um, but I, th- I think with Liverpool, it, it's more of a style thing that, that has got both them to that, that landmark. Yeah, I agree a lot with what Jake said there. I think it is a, little, a style that Liverpool seem to have this season. I don't think they've got, it sounds an odd thing to say, but I don't think they have that, that same create, creativity in the, in the centre of midfield as the likes of City have. You know, City seems to have an abundance of talent in in the midfield in terms of where they can where they can create things. So they don't need to have too much out wide. Um, Liverpool are a little bit different in that front because they rely so much on Salah, Mane, and obviously whoever plays up top, Firmino, which is why there's more space down the wings for both um, Robertson and uh, and Arnold to get forward and, and and do what they do because they're quick. Uh, they can they can whip in a good cross. Um, I do think it's something that you know. What worries me the most is that wingers seem to be a dying, dying breed these days. Because you're looking at the likes of Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, United. None of them really play with an out-and-out winger anymore, and not many of the top sides do. The stereotypical winger type player is kind of like Raheem Sterling, who plays more central now and, and floats and goes out wide and comes inside and plays more of a number ten kind of role rather than you know, a, a dynamic winger. If you look through the Premier League, there's not that many teams that have a out and out winger. Um, even Palace, you know, Zaha plays more more central than he does out wide, which I much prefer him playing out wide and, and, and creating havoc than he does when he plays close to the striker, the lone striker through the middle. You just look down at Premier League, you've got um, Fraser at Bournemouth, just off the top of my head, Anderson perhaps at West Ham, but he's kind of a different style of winger. So, uh, it, it's a shame because I, I, I like teams that play with wingers and and yeah that that, that creativity. So the, the the attacking fullbacks seem to be kind of taking over that mould and, and kind of becoming a, um, a a winger in themselves. You, look at Palace for example. We've got Aaron Wan-Bissaka who who used to be a winger um, in, in the youth teams coming through the ranks at Palace and, and now he's uh, you know he's a fullback and he's and a good one. <laughs> 
is a brilliant fullback. He really is watching him week in, week out. Not much gets past him week in, week out. But you can see when he goes forward that he, you know, he's not like a uh, like a Joel Ward that we have, uh, uh, whose place that he's taken. You know, he wasn't that great going forward. Didn't really have the confidence to go forward because he didn't particularly particularly have the skill. But you know, Wambasaka, you, you can tell that he's got that something extra about him that he can he can get out of the wing quickly. He's got pace and he, he's got he, he's not afraid of taking players on. So he he's got a little bit of that in him, which is you know very much the same as the likes of Robertson and and. Um, and, and uh, Alexander Arnold, which have been fantastic for Liverpool this year, and it's a lot to do with the style, but a bit more than that, that you know, the, the the classic winger style player is 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 a dying breed, which which is a shame. But I guess you know it might come back uh, at some point because formations change, you know, quite often. There seems to be you know themes, isn't there? You know, it's kind of um, yeah trends in football in a way. You know, we used to play with two two players at top. We you know teams don't play with a striker these days. It's uh, it's it's all very different. But um, impressive stat for Liverpool for sure. Um, but I I do think it's it, it's a lot to do with their style, as Jake has already said, and 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 some of their shortcomings in midfield in terms of creativity and and how they play because you compare them to City, like I say, and you know and De Bruyne and and Silva in the middle very creative players and create a lot through through the middle, which doesn't put as much pressure on the wing, uh, the fullbacks to get forward and, and, and do that creativity. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's a really good stat. My, 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 I do wonder uh, how, how it would affect Liverpool if they don't actually go on and win the title this year, uh, whether it would have a negative impact on, 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 on them going into next season, because, yeah, it's gonna two two sides in this in in this two two great sides and fighting for the title this season is excellent. But one of them's gonna have to miss out. And you know, while City have won the title more recently, you know, Liverpool have you know haven't won it for for however long it it might be. And um, yeah, it's it's gonna be tough on them. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens if they don't actually win it. But yeah, but back on point. Um, yeah, fullbacks really hard to. Uh, to pin them back, you know, in a, in a Liverpool side that are in full flow, really are as 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 Jake as Jake witnessed the other night. Yeah, it's been incredible what those two have accomplished this year. We'll see what happens with the team on the whole, but uh, still very impressive. I agree with both of you. Maybe the trend is pointing that way, but it does seem a bit of a statistical oddity um, that we might not see again anytime soon. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with club specific questions for each of our guests. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
All right, and we are back. Jake, we'll lead in with you. Some not-so-neutrals were hoping uh, you'd be able to pull off the result yesterday, which you did not manage to do, unfortunately. But it was a fantastic performance, and I feel that's being overlooked some. Uh, what did you make of that match? Yeah, I thought it, we played very well. It's probably one of the, our better performances of the season. That's what and, I was thinking, and, yeah. Yeah, like like many like um, like many people thought ahead of the game, I pro- I thought we were probably going to get beaten quite quite well. Um, I thought that after we'd you know gone through that emotional um, emotion of trying to to get safe, that that maybe we'd take our foot off the gas and see this as a as a game just sort of to not go in at full intensity. And if you don't go in at full atten- intensity, at some point you're you're going to get beaten quite easily. Um, but that didn't happen. We played really, really well. Um, the 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 early goal that we conceded was a little bit disappointing. Um, set piece marking, which which again, we saw later for the winner for Liverpool was it was another another one from set pieces, and that's something we've been poor on all season. Which is slightly slightly surprising with Benitez as manager. You know, he, he he's normally somebody that that gets those small the margins right, but this year just hasn't really been great in terms of set pieces. So that's something we need to work on over the summer. Whether that's getting a um, you know, getting more working on the training ground, or bringing in uh, another a defender or two that can that can improve us from those situations. But um, yeah, it was disappointing. But but on the positive side, you know, we were without Almiron, we were without um, Longstaff, we were without um, Lejeune, who was three of our more important players over the second half of the season. But you know, we 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 played really well without them, and I didn't think this group of players had that in them without those three players all available, but they, they all played really well. I think Isaac Hayden was very good in, in midfield. I think um, Atsu played very well, um, playing where Almiron normally plays. And um, I thought Paul Dummett had a good game in, in defence. Those players all came in and, and did a good job there. And we sort of matched Liverpool stride for stride. I don't think we can be accused of playing negatively uh, like we have done in the past in these games. I thought we played on the front foot and tried to get to get in a pool and I think I, I haven't really seen Virgil van Dijk look as uncomfortable as he did against Salomon Rondon. I know a lot of Liverpool fans will be saying that that Lovren being in the team was was a big reason for their defensive you know frailties in that game. But I think Rondon caused van Dijk as many problems as he caused Lovren. So I think he, you know it just goes to show how important he's been and and how good he can be against even you know the best teams in the league and and. As much as we want Benitez to sign a new contract and stay at the club, I think we also want Rondon to to sign with us permanently because he he's just suits us so well the way he plays. And Finally, he hit ten goals. Yeah, he did. I know that's it. the first time he's done that in England, isn't it? So he's had a a very good season, and I I think that we'd we'd be stupid not to sign him permanently because he, he he seems that he wants to come here. Um, he suits us so well, and it, we just wouldn't be able to replace him. Um, with a like-for-like player, I don't think. Um, I know he's a little bit old for what Mike Ashley likes, but I just don't think we'd be able to get a better player. And surely, you know, we can look for for younger players with potential elsewhere, but this is a position we need to get right. And and we've had problems in that position since we sold Denver Bar, I'd probably say. So I I, I think he's he's the best player we've had since then, and it would be stupid to let him go when he when he's so you know, dead set on wanting to join us. So that's going to be one to watch over the summer. But yeah, the performance is great. And it's, it's, or the, it would have been the perfect way to sign off at St. James Park with, with a positive result. But I, I think we can even, you know, be, be quite pleased with that performance and take a lot of positives from that into the summer.
Yeah, can certainly hold your heads high, um, regardless of the result. Although <laughs> other fan bases may feel slightly differently about it. Um, you brought up uh, Rondon and trying to retain him, which has been a running theme um, based on his performances this season. Another player that's been very good down the stretch uh, has been Ayosa Perez, who for a while just looked like he wasn't going to develop into the player that many thought he could be. Now we're starting to see those flashes a bit more regularly. Do you think this is him finally developing and, and that you'll be able to hold on to him, or do you think this is just another flash in the pan? Yeah, I think with Perez, it's an interesting one. I think it's he always plays well down the stretch. This is normally when he plays his best football. Um, last year, he got quite a few goals in the, in the second half of the season. He's done it again this year. Um, but I think this year, we're seeing the performances to go with the goals. Um I think he's he's been very dominant and and playing alongside Rondon and Almiron has really brought out the best in him. Um, although Almiron didn't get any goals or assists, um, he created a lot of space for for Perez to to you know reach the form that he has reached. And yesterday against Liverpool, he didn't score, but he hit the crossbar in what was quite a remarkable piece of skill to get shot out so quickly and, and you know hit it so hard towards goal. Uh, he had another piece of skill in the box where he sort of took it around two or three Liverpool defenders and, and managed to get a shot away. So he's he's so skillful in those tight areas. Um but I think yeah he, he's now he's he's still only twenty five, I think so he's still or twenty four, twenty five, still very young uh, and he's got a lot of pro, you know progression that he could go through. I think he's under the right manager. He's probably at the right club. Um and I think that we've got to be looking at him uh, as somebody to build the team around over the next mm. couple of years. Uh, there's been some quotes talking about how he wants to go back to La Liga, um, which I'm sure he probably will do at some point. But I think I'd hope that we could keep him for at least another year or two before he does go back to Spain. Um, and I think when we do sell him back, he, he, he won't go to one of the you know the top two, obviously. But I think he, he'd go to a very good club in, in La Liga. I think he's, he's just... He, He's just a very good player, uh, and the fact that we got him for for you know one and a half million, it just looks like a great piece of business now. And I'm sure when we sell him on, we'll make ten times that, if not more. So <laughs> it, it, it he is yeah he's he's had an excellent excellent second half of the season. Um, and I think that yeah I, I hope that we we'll have him next year as well. Yeah, well that's why I wanted to ask is because it, if it's a flash in the pan, maybe you you capitalize on that sell now, get that money in knowing that it'll regress. But yeah, wanting to keep him certainly implies that you think he can keep this up going forward. Um, Jay, uh, coming to you now to discuss Crystal Palace. We talked about this with Sam um, when you sent, I think it was Huddersfield down a a few weeks back. Um, Now you've only gone and relegated yet another team. Um, Do you ever have, and we asked him him this as well, do you ever have like a sympathy when you do it because you've done it so perennially? or, Or is it just kind of another week out for you guys? Uh, sport off with ducks back now. We we seem to do it a lot. Um, I have to say that um, the, the the normal player. I think um, Patrick Van Aanholt has a ridiculous yes. stat somewhere that he's scored in games. It was like four in a row with, that he scored the so. goal that sent someone down. Yeah, he was he was on the bench yesterday and didn't come on. So um, so he was quite safe from being uh, being that person. <laughs> you were trying to uh, be nice. You were trying to be nice. Um, do you know what? There, there, there was so much build-up to this game because obviously everyone knows our rival. We're in Brighton, um, and the fact that uh, you know a few a couple of weeks ago when it was when it looked very much like this would be a huge game for Cardiff had they beaten Fulham the week before, there was quite a lot of uh, uh, hilarious lineups being tweeted by Palace fans. You know, like the tea lady and uh, and different people to be playing in this game. 
um, on the basis that you know Palace would lose it and uh, and give Cardiff a chance to stay up over Brighton. Obviously, that didn't materialise, and you know we're all professional in this game, aren't we? So Roy Hushman was very professional, and um, I went there. I mean, on your point, it's relegation is horrid. You know, we we've been through it a number of times, uh, and it never gets any better. Um, and I do have. Um, uh, a fair bit of sympathy for for opposition teams that you know you end up being that team that that ultimately sends you down like Huddersfield a few weeks ago, Cardiff yesterday. Although to to be fair, you know I think Cardiff could probably have gone at us a bit more than they actually did, but perhaps that's a lot more to do with the way we're playing away from home this season, really that they just couldn't contain us. But um, yeah, I, I have a lot of sympathy because you know I. I, I'm, it will happen to us again one day. Um, it's not a nice feeling at all. And I, I do feel sorry for the opposition fans, whoever they may be. Um, if it was Brighton, probably wouldn't feel quite so sorry, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny that uh, your win helped keep uh, Brighton up, considering the rivalry which you mentioned there. Um, but it, indeed, I mean, when you see performances like theirs today against Arsenal, when you see it happening to a, a club where you're hoping that they get a result, their defensive style can lead you to, to kind of end up rooting for them. I certainly was uh, today. So on the whole, I, I, I don't mind them staying up, um, if only to frustrate everyone else. They only have to frustrate me twice a season. <laughs> there are five other hey, teams in the top six that he can frustrate. Uh, and by he, of course, mean Hewton. Yeah, it really serves us right for not being them once this season. If we'd have, yeah, if we'd have beaten true. Brighton twice... Uh, or even once, they'd have been in massive trouble. Yeah, so, add that to the uh, list of things we mentioned with Cardiff, of things that could have been different. Exactly, exactly right. I mean, you know, losing two derby games like that, yes, we're going to finish high, you know, above them in the, in the Premier League, which which is uh, which is which is a, probably a bragging right. But realistically, you know, they beat us twice, and that's that's what's kept them up really. Because if if we'd have done our job and beaten them twice, they'd have been in awful uh, awful trouble. But there you go, that's football. Yeah. All right, and Jay, then a uh, follow-up question for you. Uh, we're going to ask uh, Jim a very similar question with uh, T.L. Mons, who they have on loan. You've had Batshuayi. Um, he's come in. He did score a goal uh, at the weekend. Do you think that's a player that you might pursue keeping long-term, or do you think that's kind of uh, kind of come and gone? And Benteke has been showing a little bit better form. Maybe you'll just stick with him going forward? Yeah, Batshuayi has has done a job for us. He's come in um, different style of player to what we had already. Uh, much needed, given us a bit of impetus up front, and he's a very lively character. And he and he, and he scored a few goals for us, which has been great. Um, it, the striker position was one where you know it's no secret we struggled with all season. Benteke uh, had an operation, um, and he's looked at different players since he's come back. Actually, from uh, from being uh, from from being injured, which he was carrying at knee injury for most of last season, which kind of contributes to to his his immense failure last season to uh, to hit the back of that. But I think yeah, Ben Te- um, sorry, Batshuayi. I don't believe we will pursue in the summer. I don't think Chelsea had any I- inclination to to get rid. Um, and obviously they've got that transfer ban, haven't they? Uh, so. They're probably more unlikely to get rid. I think we we we'll be looking at a revamp of our front line. Uh, Benteke, we play so much better when he's our he's our sole striker up front. Where you know if he scores or not. If he doesn't score, then he brings other players in. Um, and I think he's got one more year on his contract left. So 
you know, whether we choose to cash in in the summer, I don't think we will. I, I think we'll we'll go with him for next season, but it's the players around him. The likes of Jordan Ayo, I think we might have more chance of signing uh, permanently in the summer, which is yeah, he, he's, he's done a job to? for us when he's come in. And, um, I don't mind. I don't mind him. He, he's been all right for us this season yeah. when we called upon him. He played well yesterday against Cardiff. Obviously, the Swansea Cardiff thing. Uh, he started the game yesterday, um, and he and he worked hard, played well. Um, I, I think he gives us a bit of a, another dimension because he can play wide as well as as well as up front or behind the front man. So you know, while a lot of people scoffed at him. And, you know, being signed on loan for us. Um, when he's been called upon, he's he, he you know once once it, it took him a little while to settle. To be honest, um, he came into the side a few times and didn't really pull up any trees. But you know, he every time he's been called upon in the latter stages of the season, he's uh, he's been all right. And you know, if it's going to be like a three or four million pound deal to get him from Swansea, then you know, a squad player would be you know of his caliber would be would be would be half decent. But I think. You know, likes of Connor Wickham, I think we might see him go in the summer. I think we'll probably keep Benteke, but Shuai is, uh, I think that's dead in the water. I don't think we, we've got an intention of getting him. Um, although uh, it wouldn't be a bad thing, to be honest, but I think we'll be looking elsewhere. Uh, obviously, Sorloff didn't work for us, uh, really. He's out on loan at, uh, at Genk uh, and has scored quite a few goals for them. So, different level of football compared to the Premier League maybe he comes back with a you know a bit more confidence and you know still a young player so we we shelled out a few million for him so whether he comes back as a you know as a as a backup striker it'd be interesting to see what we're doing this summer but uh, no Batshuayi has been great to watch um, but I, I don't I don't see it going any further all right, well, that actually blends very nicely into what we're going to be discussing in Player Watch, where we're going to be discussing a player at each of our clubs um, who may uh, be playing their last game for our clubs this coming weekend. Uh, we'll start with you, Jake. Yes, um, there's there's, probably, there's a few. Um, I guess Rondon is the obvious one. He might be playing his last game, which would be a shame, but hopefully that isn't the case. Um, but I think the main will be Isaac Hayden. Um I think he's going to be moving in the summer. He's been trying to move for the last two transfer windows. I think it's a, he, he wants to be closer to his family. He's got you know things going on in his personal life that he wants to be back down in the South. So that's understandable. Um, where there was maybe a little bit of of resistance from the club to sell him in January, I think that he, he's done so well over the second half of the season. And he, he's been so professional that I do hope, uh, and I think the majority of supporters hope that, that we do let him leave um, and, and you know be closer to his family. So that'd be a shame because he's been really, really good. And I think he's, he's a huge talent and I'd love to see him stay at the club. But, he, you know, some things are bigger than football uh, and we should, you know, let him leave. And, you know, it's funny that there's a, I, I don't know where he'd end up, but, it, you know, not, there's not there's not a shortage of, of Premier League clubs down south and I think he'd be a good fit for any of them because he's, he's so talented and um, he's shown that for us. He's been a major reason for, for our turnaround in form. So, yeah, hopefully he goes on to, to have a successful career elsewhere. Um, and then I guess the, the, the elephant in the room is that it could be Rafael Benitez's last game in charge of the club. But we will hope that's not the case. But, yeah, they're the... They're the main three that we'll probably see move on. Uh, I think Shelby and Diarme are two that that two more that are going to move on. I think Diarme needed two more starts to to get a, a contract renewal, and he didn't get them, so he's going to be moving on. And I think Shelby, 
the fact he didn't he got dropped for the game yesterday, I think he, he's barely featured the second half of the season. I think he's going to be moved on as well. So I think it's going to be a, a summer of change at Newcastle. Hopefully not 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 in the manager not in the uh, in the manager's chair or, or up front. There won't be any change, but there, there may be. So there's a, there's a few people we might see the last of on Sunday. Um, for Palace, um, yeah, I, I hate to say it, but I do wonder whether it's a big one this summer. Um, whether whether Wilf's going to end up going somewhere else, whether he's going to be tempted by another shot at the at the big time in Champions League. There was an article a few weeks ago, which um, even Roy Hodgson's come out and said that um, you can't blame Wilf for, for answering questions that are put to him, uh, whether he wants to play Champions League football. Well, yeah, of course he would. Um, so I think that uh, that interview was probably uh, put in a way that, or, or written in a way that Wilf's looking to move, but yeah, Roy's actually come out at a very good interview on one of the national radio stations a few weeks ago where he was talking about, um, it was more interesting because he was talking about uh, coming back to Palace and managing club football has has reignited his love for the game and how he loves being on the coach on the training ground and, and coaching the players and and talking to players through their, you know, through the sessions and stuff like that, which 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 is a nice which is a nice change to what we had with Sam Allardyce uh, because he he wouldn't be on a training ground an awful lot he'd he'd let the coaches do the work and he'd be down there for five minutes and he'd be off elsewhere so it's good to hear Roy Hodgson um, you know enjoying that side of side of things and I think that goes uh, says a lot about the kind of character he is um, he actually also said that he's looking forward to working well for for another couple of years um, so whether that's just you know giving the fans the noise they want to hear I don't know I did think last summer that this would be the season that the last season would keep Wilf if we obviously kept him in January as well um yeah Wilf is still raw around the edges so there's still bits of him in his makeup which yeah might put opposition teams off wherever he wherever he wants to go to a big club well uh, you know it, it's it's all it, it's going to be that summer again where there's going to be a lot of rumours about Zaha is going to be the name that you're seeing the all the transfer rumours on on social media, which is going to bore the hell out of everybody, including Palace fans. Um, it, it'd be more interesting to see see which clubs actually um, you know, show their interest. But um, I'm hoping it, it, it isn't the case because I it's difficult to see a team without Wilf in it. It, it. it really is difficult to see because, like I say, it... it we have we have frustrations with him because sometimes he does things, but then other other times he does things which you just think, who else is going to do that? Who else is going to come in and, mm. and and fill that massive void? Um, and I'm not saying that we don't have a talented squad of players because we do, but Wilf is is our shining light. And yes, we we've got over that hoodoo of winning games without him this season, uh, thankfully. Um, I'm just hoping we don't have to. Uh, do that more often so that that is a big one that is that's going to be a talking point that's going to drag on all summer my only hope is that we don't sell him late on in window so it doesn't give us yeah. much opportunity to to fill that massive void and spend some of that money that you know we, we will get for him because he won't go cheap there's no way he will go cheap uh, a player of that um that talent just mm. you know he does need a bigger stage and I, I and i wouldn't I wouldn't begrudge him that because he's given us so much. Um, elsewhere, um, Julian Sproni is retiring, so he was our third choice keeper. He's been at the club for uh, over ten years now and has been a stalwart, really has. And it'd be a shame 
it, it'd be odd not seeing him around, but uh, we believe that he's going to be offered a, a role on the coaching staff, so he's going to be in and around the club, which is great news. Um, elsewhere among the team, it's difficult to see. Uh, there's a lot of rumours about Mamadou Sacco uh, moving on, which um, I'm really hoping doesn't happen. Um, I think um, I, I, I think he might he, he will probably stay as long as we show ambition this summer. Um, and that means not selling wealth um, elsewhere. It'd be interesting to see whether we decide to cash in on Benteke. Uh, one year left on his contract, whether we let that run down and let him go for free. We paid £32 million for him uh, when he joined us a few years ago. Um, elsewhere, I'm, I'm just thinking Max Meyer hasn't really um, proven to us. He, he came to us with a, a high expectation from fans, thinking you know a lot of big clubs are after him. We managed to get him on a free um, and to be honest, he's not really been played in in the position that he that he favours or regularly. So I like to see him stick around for another season. Hopefully, he he'll have settled in um, and, and and go from there. But elsewhere, I, I think much of the squad will stick around. I think um, I think the only problem we have is left back. So uh, Patrick Van Aanholt's had a stinker of a season. So whether he sticks around or we look to replace him or or just look for backup, uh, it'll be interesting. But I think elsewhere. Um, there might be a bit of talk about Aaron Wambasaka, but um, it, it's yeah, it's going to be a long summer for us, I think. Yeah, uh, for Tottenham, uh, Pochettino has said it's probably going to be a painful summer. Um, I, I think that's more of a personal uh, thing. I think one of his biggest issues, as we've discussed on this show before, is that I think he genuinely loves and trusts every player at the club. The problem is not every person you meet in life or in a workplace is deserving of either or both. Um, and so I think we will start to really see some people shipped on. Um, you mentioned getting rid of Zaha. I'd be willing to throw you, you know, Lamella, Jansen, and 30 um, and just uh, see if they do better at a slightly lower level. Uh, I do think those two players are likely to move on, but Lamella's injured. Jansen is currently one of our only attacking options off the bench, um, so he might get a look. But Lamella has probably already played his last uh uh, match for us, as has Michelle Vorm, so those don't really fit the prompt. Um, the only regular starter that I think will be moved on in the summer is Kieran Trippier. Um, there's been reports that lots of clubs are interested in him, and I think we're just about done with him um, internally. Uh, there's reports that his wife has been looking at schools uh, in Naples, and there has been contact with Napoli. Um, so that wouldn't really be surprising. <laughs> also, United ha- have been interested in the past. Last year, Real Madrid were interested, although that was after a heroic World Cup campaign and not after a tremendously disappointing Premier League one. Um, but on the whole, we got him in for $3 million. Anything we sell him for is going to be more than that. He was never meant to be the starter. He was meant to be able to spell Kyle Walker and to kind of push him on, uh, which worked to the extent of him moving to City. Um, and then he was supposed to be supplanted by Serge Aurier when we signed him. But he is both inconsistent and frequently injured. Um, so I do admit that Trippier has played a larger role than he probably was supposed to, but it feels like it's time to cut bait. Then the two big questions, much like Jay, where that you know you have a lot of low-lying ones, and then, oh, dear God, what happens if we lose the ha? Uh, for us, that's um, uh, Erickson and Toby Alderweireld. Um, Christian Erickson, we've known this. Whenever people ask why he hasn't signed his contract, he has interest in two clubs, 
One report says both are in Spain. One report says one is in Spain. Uh, if you think it's both in Spain, you can probably pretty easily guess which clubs those are. Um, <laughs> but uh, Barcelona already heavily invested in uh, Frankie de Jong. Slightly different positioning. Uh, very different player ID. Um, but it doesn't seem likely that he'd go there. They need the rest of their money to try to double up on Ajax and take the leaked as well. Um, Real Madrid is the obvious concern, and Jay, this actually ties in with something you mentioned earlier in the show, which is they could kind of dictate what happens in the top six next year in the Premier League. Messi can do that by himself if everyone's seen that stat. Um, but, um, <laughs> Real Madrid, are they interested in Eden Hazard enough to pay 150? Are they interested in Pogba enough to pay similar? Are they interested in Eriksen? Probably not 150, but somewhere in between 100 and 150. Um Really, who do they go for? Because Ericsson has always been adamant that he is fine staying here as long as one of those big clubs doesn't come for him. His form this year has not been great. I wouldn't be surprised, much like Jan Vertong in his second or third year when he was in the team of the year. Um, the year after that, he disappointed. Like He was disappointed he didn't get his move and then didn't play well enough to earn it back. Um, the, maybe that's this year. Somebody might still come in. He may still go. He's still brilliant on his day. I still contend that he doesn't drive us as a team the way a player of his caliber should. Um, I think he tends to play well when we're already playing well. He does score crucial goals like the Brighton one, which you know it looks like has saved our Champions League spot. Um, but on the whole, I think he should do more when the other other players are absent. Um, and then Toby Alderweireld, as people are very aware, um, has a potential 25 million buyout clause this summer. Um, word around the streets, uh, not in the country I live, um, is that uh, contract negotiations have reopened. Uh, some people saying it's an actual long-term deal. One says it's just to raise that number well above $25 million, um, because I'm sure it wouldn't put off any suitors if that was 50 instead of 25 um, But that's, that's the other big concern. If we keep both of them by a right back and a central midfielder, I don't think we're that far off of Liverpool and City because what we saw this year was we were able to contend when everyone was healthy. And then we had no depth. So as soon as the depth disappeared, we plummeted down the table um, into this top four race, uh, having been in the title one allegedly previously. I never really bought in on that, largely because of the depth issue. But on the whole, I think Trippier, Lamella, Vorm, and Jansen are the players that are currently in the senior squad that'll go. Ericsson, I don't think will go. I don't think he played well enough to earn that move, but if Real Madrid want to spend the money, it's very hard for people to say no, although Florentino Perez has said that he hated negotiating with Daniel Levy, which seems to be a common theme. Um, <laughs> then uh, Alderweireld will see if he gets a contract or not before uh, that buyout clause uh, exists in his contract. All right, we will wrap up with uh, match previews. We're, we're running kind of short on time, so we'll just kind of go with results. We're just going to touch on some big ones because not only do we have our three clubs, but there's also a title race, and then I'll just quickly ask you if you think Arsenal will make up a plus eight goal difference. Um, we'll start off with Brighton and City. Jake, do you think uh, City pull this one off? Yeah, I think um, City are going to beat Brighton. Um, yeah, we Brighton defend deep and they get a lot of men behind the ball, but City are just a, a, a step above Arsenal and um, other teams that they've been successful against. So, yeah, they're, they're not going to stop City. City are going to win that game quite easily, I think. Yeah, same for me, Kev. I think, uh, well, I, I, the big one's tomorrow night, isn't it, against uh, against Leicester? True. Or tonight? True. When's this going out? Yeah, this is going out Monday, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the City Leicester game I think is going to be more of a problem for for City. I, I think the last game of the season that they should 
Well, yeah, it depends what happens tomorrow night, really. It, it could happen either way, couldn't it? If they, they could not be bothered about it if they, if they lose against Leicester tomorrow night. But either way, um, yeah, they're still in with a shot, aren't they, even if they lose to Leicester. So, um, yeah, I, they'll beat Brighton, no problem. Thrashing, hopefully. Yeah, uh, do either of you think Arsenal will beat Burnley by at least four goals? No. <laughs> no, they are not going to be. They're not, they're, they probably won't even beat Burnley. So, no, they're, they're not going to. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know. In the mm. end of the season, you, you, you get see weird funny... results. Like that Tottenham weird... 5-3 against Leicester, was it, last year? Yeah, that's and, right. And Jake, I... you know the 5-1 against us, like two, three or four years ago. I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you get some funny results at the end of the season. And we've seen it again in, in, in the Football League the last couple of weeks that you can get some really peculiar results. And um, I can't. I can't see it, but you know, Burnley run the beach. You know that 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 famous old adage. Um, uh, and Arsenal need something, and, and Arsenal have the firepower up front if they, you know, if they've got uh, Yang and Lacazette. So, yeah, I, 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 I don't think so. No, but you know, th- these you don't feel like you can just write it season. off. Yeah. No, I don't see. I can just write it off. No. Fair enough. All right, um, then Jay, we'll just come to you for Crystal Palace versus Bournemouth. Neither of you really much to play for, but you hoping you still uh, show up on the day or maybe see some youth come in? Well, it'd be nice if we showed up at our home all season, really, wouldn't it? So it'd be ironic of us to do it on the last game of the season <laughs> to get a win at home. Uh, if you've got a season ticket to Silas, it's not been a great, great a lot of fun uh, watching Palace, but uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me if we end on a high note by getting, an, getting a result. Uh, and I think that will achieve our highest points tally in the Premier League uh, at 49 points. So, you know, not to be stiffed at. So something, yeah, something to target. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this is the thing. It's, uh, you know, want to finish on a high. We play very well away from home. A lot of fans have been very critical about our home form. So uh, a Bournemouth side, beatable. You know, it's not one of the top sides, is it? And, and no offence to Bournemouth. I think if we end up on a, you know, with a home win, which uh, we've not had many of this season, then uh, I think we can probably consider the season not too bad at all. Fair enough. And then, Jake, uh, you're next up on the official fixture list. Uh, you're going to be traveling to Fulham to face Russ. I, I don't think we ever actually managed to get you both on a show this season, which is a pretty big bummer. But what do you think we'll see in this one, the, the revenge of the championship roundtable? <laughs> yeah, we F- Fulham have... Yeah, they've done well against us in, in the last couple of years. We've been in the same division, I think. In the Championship, they beat us twice and came to St. James Park early in the year. And I think we are the first team to fail to score against Fulham uh, at home, you know, with us being the home team and them being the away team. So that was a disappointing one. Um, yeah, I I don't think it, it really matters. There's probably going to be goals in this one because it seems that we've switched off any aspect of wanting to defend like like we're usually reliable on. So I think I think there'll probably be goals. It'll be probably be one of those entertaining ones that you see on Match of the Day where neither team are much to play for, but there's goals and it's, it's just a good watch. I can see it being a 2-2, something like that. Yeah, then uh, the other match um, that could decide the title, Liverpool versus Wolves. Wolves known for pulling those scalps this season from the top six. Regardless of what happens with uh, Leicester versus City and that Brighton City match just in a vacuum, do you, do you think Wolves will, will ruin the title hopes a bit? Um, yeah, I, I, can, I can see Wolves getting something from this. I think Liverpool would have put so much emotion in, into the last few weeks, depending on what happens against Barcelona. Um, can't completely rule them out of that one, although it would be a surprise if they did turn it around. Um, 
yeah, I think I think Wolves will get something. They they've been in good form recently, and they love showing up against the top six teams. So, I think what what's likely going to happen is City will will pull it out against Leicester. It won't be a a convincing win, but they'll pull it out, and that will maybe like a late goal in the last fifteen minutes. Something like what Liverpool did, and that will that will demoralise Liverpool and. and and maybe City score an early goal against Brighton, and, and the, the you know it comes out you know as it does on the final day. I think something like that's going to happen. I can see Wolves getting something. I think I think maybe they won't they won't win it Anfield, but I can see it being a draw. I, I totally agree. I, I think Wolves have been a breath of fresh air this season, and you know while they've done the stereotypical you know not beating the teams they should be beating, but they've actually turned over some big scalps this year. Um, I, I think they've got a, a big say in this Premier League title this year and, and uh, Liverpool playing them on the last game of the season. You know, we, we've seen, I mean, we've not seen many jitters from Liverpool. We haven't seen any jitters from Liverpool this season, but last day of the season, if, if City get that win tomorrow night against Leicester, however they do it, then, um, yeah, Wolves isn't a team against, um, to be quite honest with you. So, um, yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting. I, I fancy Wolves to get something though. Yeah, that would pretty much derail their season, regardless of everything else we're talking about. So uh, that would definitely be a fascinating one. Uh, then for me, um, Tottenham versus Everton. They are in very, very good form right now. Mm. Son is suspended. Mm. Voith is suspended. Kane is still injured. We are not in a good way. I, I felt such waves of relief when Arsenal lost today. Or sorry, Drew today. It felt like a loss for them, certainly. Um, because... I'm not confident that we will win this match. I'm not confident we will draw this match. Um, just the, the wheels have been ground down so far on every player this year. Mentioned it last week. Played over 55 matches this season, or will will have done by the time this match happens. Um, it, and with a very thin squad, no signings in the summer, more injuries than I can remember in any recent season. Uh, we are just limping across the finish line. Um, I think that we will lose, but I don't think it will be more than four. And since you guys weren't overly convinced that Arsenal would win by more than four, that should mean that we're in uh, a Champions League spot come the end of the season. I think we're going to throw every possible thing at this Ajax match. We do get Sun for back, uh, back for that. He is rested considering he got a nice half off, um, <laughs> after, uh, and during the Bournemouth match. Um, oh, is that why he did it? Uh, yeah, so, uh, well, him and uh, Toby got taken off at halftime for Foyth, yeah. who then immediately yeah. got a red card. Um, <laughs> so at least those two are, are rested um, for this uh, match against Ajax. But I, I think before we were going to have to throw our strongest squad out for both of these matches and just hope. And I think now we can throw everything at the Ajax match and just trust that we can hold down the fort decently enough against Everton, and that Burnley probably won't get overturned for at least four. The reason I say four is I don't think we'll get beaten by more than four. I don't think they'll win by more than four, which makes it that eight-goal difference. Um, but anyway, as we've basically decided on the show collectively, um, that means Tottenham do get their Champions League spot. It means City do win the title. Sorry, Liverpool fans. Uh, and then we'll just kind of see... Uh, how right we are. These predictions tend to go a little sideways, Jake, as you'll know um, from the championship show. Um, just things that you think will happen, sometimes they just don't. And uh, Jay, as you said, towards the end of the season, you get some weird results. Uh, so we'll see. It should be a very fascinating championship Sunday coming up. I want to thank you two both again for coming on today. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure. If you'd like to tell the folks where they could find you or anything you're working on, now would be a good time. 
Yeah, you can get me on Twitter at JakeJack with two ends. Uh, I write for EPL Index and I record on the Championship show quite frequently on this channel and we'll have some playoff stuff going out. So, uh, yeah, check that out. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Kev, to be back on. Um, sorry, it's not been more regularly this season, but uh, hopefully that'll change next season. I'll be freeing up some time to, uh, to enjoy our chats again, so that'd be good. Um, yeah, I, I run the Eagles Beak uh, Palace fan site. You, if you don't know us, we're on Twitter at Eagles Beak and also just check our website. There's loads of stuff going up between now and the end of the season. We'll have a few reviews on there as well. Uh, a lot of my writers will be taking a good break over the summer, but still be active on social media because it's a Women's World Cup and there'll be a lot for us to talk about. We're big on uh, women's football as well, so we'll we'll stay alive over the summer for that. Um, I'm also a producer and co-host for the Meridian Sports Show, award-nominated Meridian Sports Show, actually. It's a local community radio station that we air on every Tuesday night. You can get us online. Head on over to meridianfm.com or you can find us on Twitter everything's on there on our Twitter handle so by all means please ch- uh, tune in join in the conversation wherever you are around the world you can get us online uh, and it's always uh, good fun bit of a chill music and just a couple of guys chatting about sport mostly football <laughs> at the moment don't know what we're going to talk about in the summer though so uh, yeah, our Twitter handle is at the SS. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeBreeze. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. You can find my fantasy writings over at Goal.com and ESPN.com slash fantasy, both of which, obviously, the the last time it'll impact your team. There will be some review content after that. But uh, if you're interested in fantasy, be sure to check that out. As Jake mentioned, we also have the championship show on this uh, channel, and things are getting very interesting there. Um, so be sure to tune in to hear what happened with the end of the season and heading into the playoffs. <laughs> you have a West Midlands Derby and Spygate as the two matchups. <laughs> It'll be a gosh darn adventure. Um, but again, thanks to you two for coming on today, and thanks to all the guests that have come on all season. Thanks to all of you who have listened. This is our last full show of the season. We will, of course, be doing club-specific segments um, after the last week of the season, which will be this coming weekend, which is insane. Uh, for those uh, that wonder about the health of the show, um, we are just shy of 10 million all-time listens. So, massive thanks to Jake and Jay, who have been on many of these, and also to everyone else. If you guys like this episode and about two of the segments, we'll, uh, we'll clear 10 million, and we'll obviously do a big thank you post to everybody that's been on. But thanks to you listeners, uh, of course, for tuning in. Uh, this season and the six previous, which is insane. Um, so thank to you, thanks to you guys. Thanks again to you guys for being on, uh, everyone, but especially you too. Uh, and uh, we hope you keep sticking with us uh, throughout the summer and into next season. Uh, but I will stop rambling now. Thanks for joining us, guys. It was a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 